for every parcel I stoop down to seize. I lose some other off my arms and knees. And the whole pile is slipping, bottles, buns, extremes too hard to comprehend at once. Yet nothing I should care to leave behind with all I have to hold with, hand and mind, and heart if need be, I will do my best to keep their building balanced at my breast. I crouch down to prevent them as they fall, then sit down in the middle of them all. I had to drop the armful in the road and try to stack them in a better load. The Armful by Robert Frost. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 12 of the Composition Podcast. It's your host, Dermaine, again. Um, the opening poem was by Robert Lee Frost. Um, I'm pretty sure you know his name, either directly or indirectly. He is known as probably the greatest poet in American history. I know I'll probably say that a lot, but this one here is definitely the man. Um, he was born March 26th, 1874, and died January 29th, 1963. Um, like some of the early African-American writers, I've, uh, poets I've mentioned, uh, he was initially published in England first before transitioning to uh, America, well, before transitioning to being published in America, rather. Uh, he is the only poet to ever receive four Pulitzer Prizes for poetry. Yes, count them up. One, two, three, four. And he was also uh, awarded the Congressional Gold Medal in 1960 for his poetry. On July 22, 1961, he was named the Poet Laureate of Vermont. So essentially, it was his job to write anytime there was a huge... Uh, any huge gathering or huge honoring, he was going to be the one to pretty much emcee the ceremony with his poetry. So huge shout out to Robert Frost. Go check out some of his work. Um, I unfortunately don't have too much pop culture for you this week. I've been kind of like tuning everything out. Um, dealing with being sick trying to uh, focus on this uh, handgun qualification class that I got coming up. I'll talk a little bit more about that. But and then just trying to like get into the book, really. Um, the book wasn't super long, but um, I wasn't really too focused on it. Like I said, it's been a lot dealing with shit, but um, I definitely got it done. And this book was freaking... It was a lot, so I'll get into that also. But I do want to say congratulations uh, first to Shakira Austin, who was drafted by the Washington Mystics. That's the hometown team, so I'm going to say her first. But really, all of the women that were just drafted in the uh, 2022 WNBA draft. Um, Atlanta Dream took Vern Howard, guard from Kentucky, number one. Indiana Fever took Nalissa Smith from Baylor, number two. And the Mystics, of course, took Shakira Austin from Ole Miss. So, yeah, huge shout-out to her. Um, then I want to give another shout-out to Mr. Deglin Freeman and the entire team at Elite Ballistics and Firearm Training. Um, that's where I'll be going to get my 
HQL qualification so I can apply for my gun license. Um, I think that's a huge step in uh, becoming a man, becoming a, a citizen, an American citizen, I guess. <laughs> I know that sounds kind of crazy, but I think that's important, um, especially to do it legally. Um, I'd say about a year ago, I first found out about Elite Ballistics on Instagram, and I did a, a gun tasting with me and my friends for my one of my good friends' birthday, and it was freaking amazing. So here I am, a year later, going for the uh, HQL qualification course, and definitely go check them out. Um, they offer freaking um, training in uh, Maryland handgun law, safe firearm storage and handling, gun cleaning, proper grip and stance, loading and unloading, proper terms and phrases, understanding the caliber, and then there's a live firearm exercise, so can't wait to get into that. They have many different classes that you can take, uh, home defense classes, shotgun safety classes. You could do the gun tasting, just go out and shoot different random guns. It's freaking amazing. Uh, it's called Elite Ballistics. They have an Instagram at uh, at Elite Ballistics. You can check that out. They're on Facebook, um, and it's a small family-owned business. They're still building, so definitely go support them. And if you want to do it legally here in Maryland, this is definitely the way to go. So I can't wait. I'm excited. Um, and yeah, that's all I really got. I'm not gonna talk too much. Um, like I said, I've been shutting a lot of shit out, so I'm gonna just get into the book. We'll get into some music and yeah, just keep reading, yo. My book of the week for this week is a book called The Parting Gift. It's a novel written by a gentleman named Evan Fallenberg. The book comes from a company called Other Press. That's going to be the publisher. And it is 246 pages from the beginning to the end. It's not a super long read, um, a really enjoyable story though. I'll say it's not at all what I thought it was gonna be. So this is my second time coming across a book where I just picked up the cover, said, huh, that looks interesting, and started reading it and was completely mind blown by the experience I had from the book. I would have never guessed that that's what it was. The first book I read like that is called Arthur Less, Excuse me, it's called Less, about a character named Arthur Less, written by a gentleman, I believe, named uh, Sean Greer. I apologize if that's not correct, but yeah, pretty much I picked up the book not knowing what, what, what it was going to be about, but was pleasantly surprised after learning and going through the character's experiences with him. So on the cover of this book, there's uh, Arabic writing, I believe it is. It's either Arabic or Hebrew. Um but it's called The Parting Gift. So in my mind, when I first picked it up, I do this a lot where I just pick up books, don't know what it's about. If the cover looks cool, I'm gonna read it. Um, I thought it was gonna be something about uh, Islam or some type of spirituality, anything of the sort. And no, that's not at all what the book is about. I will say to Evan Fallenberg, your ability to divulge these two characters' experiences through language, I thought was a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful job. Like, I felt myself at certain instances of the book 
either empathizing or just getting lost in how these two characters communicate with each other. Like, I really felt like I was in it. And I thought that was really, really dope. Um, I hate to compare it, but for me, this is how the story goes. If any of you have ever read Fifty Shades of Grey and just how easy it is to, to see the experience, I felt like that's kind of where this book took me. Now, that might <laughs> sound kind of crazy to some based on what this book is about. But yeah, Evan Fallenberg's he, he, he did a great job at capturing the human experience or these two humans' experiences and putting it all down. Like, I really enjoyed the book. Uh, for my excerpt, I'm going to be reading from pages 43 to 48 in the book. There aren't chapters. So, yeah, just go to pages 43 to 48 if you have the book. If not, come on and listen to the kid. All right, let's go. Although it seemed like a long time had passed, we'd already made love in one form or another probably 30 times by then. It was one morning less than a week after we'd met that the screen door swung open as we were eating breakfast and in the doorway, hands on hips, her long, copperly curls streaming, the sun framing her so that I could not see the expression on her face, stood Nina, his first ex and next door neighbor. Uzi didn't miss a chew of his toast, but I stopped eating and looked up at her. So it's true, she said, staring at me. Uzi poured himself some juice. You're screwing a guy, she said to him, her eyes still fixed on me. What's gotten into you? Uzi swallowed, but, then, but did not look up. He suits me. He said, I wanted to jump into his lap. I knew enough of his silence to recognize a massive compliment when I saw one. I rubbed my leg against his and he dropped his hand to my crotch under the table. He suits you, she repeated, deadpan. That's just lovely. Nina walked into the kitchen, circled it. If she was looking for evidence of my presence or influence, there was nothing to find. I had changed nothing in the few days since my arrival. She turned her attention back to me. Who are you? Where did you come from? She dropped into the chair facing me. Mostly though, how did you perform this witchcraft on my ex-husband? I mean, I know the guy pretty well, and if there's one thing he isn't, it's a homo. For the record, I didn't catch one or two of the words she was using. I've inserted witchcraft here because it makes the most sense. But to this day, I don't know the word for it in Hebrew. Go to hell, Nina, Uzi said before I could respond. That's new too. This guy also taught you to talk like that, she asked. Listen, Uzi, I don't care what you do with your prick, but people are talking and we've got kids and this is a little weird. Since as usual, I'm the one who's going to have to look after their mental well-being. I'd just like to know what's going on here. Is this some passing fancy, or have you really changed horses in the middle of the race? She was on her feet again, 
her face reddening. Uzi, I mean, what the hell? What is going on? You're the straightest, machoest guy I know. So what's happening? And what am I supposed to tell the kids? Tell them whatever you want, he said. His voice was still soft, but I could see something brewing. He had placed his hands flat down on the table as, as if to keep them from misbehaving. Listen, you, she said, turning her attention back to me. I want to talk with you, alone. It seems like you've moved in, and if we're going to live a few meters from one another and my kids are going to see you and hear you two cats in heat and maybe eat a Friday night dinner with you, well, I need to know who and what you are. She moved to the door, but on her way stopped behind Uzi's chair. She leaned over him, slipped her hands down his chest, and let her hair fall around his face. I could see she was pressing hard into his flesh, maybe pinching him. He's bad news, this one, she told me, her chin nearly resting on his head. He gets that knife right up under your skin, I know. And once it's there, he can twist Till you scream in agony. She slapped him twice hard on the chest, but this did not register with Uzi. Come to my house at four for coffee, she said to me, but leave this guy at home. At the door, she stopped and turned back to her ex-husband. Who'd had believed, she said, shaking her head. I'd seen the children coming and going and we'd eyed each other for a few times with mutual disbelief. Obviously, for their part, a guy shocking up with their dad must have been downright weird. For my part, when I thought about it all, I would wonder what kind of relationship they and now I would wind up having. I'd figured out that the oldest, a thin zombie-like girl in her last year of high school, was just a shade closer to me in age than I was to her father. So would we be friends? Would I be like an uncle? I don't have any nieces or nephews or little siblings for that matter. So I had no idea how that would work or even if I wanted it to. Then there was a boy, only slightly younger, who was clearly well on his way to becoming as broad and manly as his father. How was I supposed to deal with him and what would he want out of me? I'd watched him at the school bus stop one day harassing a boy his age, and he seemed like a bully to me, the scowling, menacing kind whose mood you'd better watch out for. I'd been like that myself for a period. The third kid, a chubby girl with long blonde hair and a pretty face a number of years younger than her siblings, had actually waved to me, almost clandestinely, one afternoon as she sat on the top of her stoop. Uzi's other children, two little girls, lived with their mother, Tamar, about 10 minutes away. So that's going to be it for my excerpt. It's kind of a weird ending, but whatever. Who gives a fuck? Um, that excerpt specifically, I think, sets the stage for the conflict, excuse me, the conflict and the drama that takes place throughout the story. So these two gentlemen, a younger gentleman and an older gentleman that goes by the name of Uzi, they fall into a relationship somehow, some way. 
uh, the older gentleman Uzi, as you've heard, has an entire family. And with that family, of course, comes responsibilities and a reputation that he has to uphold. And in this uh, city, village, town, whatever you want to call it, everybody looks to his opinion and his expertise for spices. He's the fucking spice master of the village. So people really value him. And although it starts off as or starts off in secrecy, as you can see, as the wife says, uh, his reputation for being involved with this younger man is now starting to travel the town. So I really appreciate how this story doesn't just only highlight the love or highlight the relationship, but it also highlights the intricacies of the lives that you involve whenever you whenever you are involved with others. This guy has five different kids, two uh, baby mothers, two ex-wives, excuse me. And instead of him hiding, he just goes about living his life how he wants to live it. And that's something that's honorable. Of course, whenever people have a reputation or whenever they have something to live for, quote unquote, they shun who they really are or who they want to be. And in this story, this father, this guy Uzi, makes it his job to just live his truth in front of his family, in front of his friends. And a lot can be learned from that. Like, of course, it's going to come with hate. It's going to come with backlash. People are going to turn their backs on you. But it really shows you who has your best interest in, in your life. So I really wanted to highlight that. I thought that was really, really dope. Um, another thing I, I want to highlight, I thought the author did a great job of breaking down this human characteristic within the story. So the narrator, the main character is the narrator. He's unnamed, but he's writing a letter to a college friend that he ends up with in the story. So he pretty much is writing all of his experiences about how he ended up in the position he ended up in. And the one human characteristic I thought the author really did a really good job at making me realize that I do, um, how he breaks it down for this, uh, this narrator. So the narrator comes to a point where he feels, pretty much he feels he's owed in the relationship. Um, after building a, a steady relationship with one of Uzi's children and building this steady relationship with Uzi's first wife and even helping Uzi's business transition into an international brand. He feels like he's a partner, not only a partner in the business, but a partner in the relationship. Like he's grown into, he's grown into that. And I give him that. But with that, he felt that he was owed pretty much and because this this other character Uzi is uh, pretty much a, 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 a man in his own right he takes what he wants does what he wants and doesn't really answer to anyone he starts to feel the narrator that is he starts to feel that Uzi, Uzi excuse me is entitled that's the huge buzzword that he uses uh, he gets it from Nina, the first wife. 
and like I said, I usually don't share all this information, but it was so interesting how the author wrote this. So the the narrator believes he deserves more from Uzi, and he's not getting more from Uzi. And Uzi's making all of these decisions without his consultation, and he starts to fill away. And in, instead of him just talking to Uzi about how he feels, he starts to make little sneaky decisions here and there that started to blow my fucking mind in the story. But like I said, it's a, a human characteristic that we all go through, but it's really about how you handle it. And I feel like the one thing that really kept making me read on and kept poking me was why he was going about how he felt. Like, like he said, he's helping this person build this international brand, essentially, based on like the popularity of the spices. He pretty much commits his life to creating these recipes while si simultaneously using these recipes and the cooking to build this relationship with Uzi's daughter which is also helping his relationship with his ex-wife, who's the neighbor. So he's doing a lot, and it's building this, this, this bubble that's helping. But at the same time, as he feels like he's entitled to more, as he feels more deserving, instead of expressing how he feels, he just makes like these really bad decisions. So, for example, uh, go get the book, please. But, for example... Um, whenever he felt like Uzi was uh, hiding infidelity, instead of him saying, hey, I saw this, like he went through Uzi's phone behind his back, something he never, like, something he wasn't used to doing. He started to do it because he felt like Uzi was hiding things after he hired this apprentice, this young male apprentice. He started to feel jealous, and he never really would express his jealousy. He would just go make the decisions like going through the phone after going through the phone he started to feel uh hurt because he he believes uzi's cheating now so instead of saying hey i saw this hey i saw that i'm feeling this way he just bottle, bottles it in more to go make more decisions and he influences uzi's daughter to make a bad decision knowing it's the wrong decision but because he's hurt he does it anyway and it's that characteristic um that I thought the, the, the author did a good job at exposing. Like, uh, that's a real thing. Like, hurt people hurt people, I guess. And, um, wow, it was a really good read how he did that. Um, but, yeah, that's the one thing that, like, kept poking me. I'm just like, yo, why won't you say to the person you love, especially if you feel like you, you're entitled, you deserve so much, Hey, I deserve this. I deserve to know what's going on. I deserve your honesty. I deserve for you to ease my my pain or ease my fucking mind about how I'm feeling. He never did that. And it was ridiculous. Um again, the book is called The Parting Gift by Evan Fallenberg. Really really good fucking read. Um I wish he would have gave the narrator a name. That would have really helped create a face for me but yeah very very vivid book you definitely see uh every page um the author i believe again is 
uh, Israeli. So I don't know if this book was written in English or originally written in Hebrew and just translated, but um, very vivid book. So he did a great job with execution. So again, shout out to Evan Fallenberg. Um, where are we going to go for music this week before we close out? Sorry, I didn't have way too much, but this book, it's a lot. So go check it out. Actually, there's one more thing that took place in the book that was really pissing me off. Um, so the narrator, for all of his bad decisions, not all of his bad decisions, but for a lot of his very questionable um his questionable views about how he saw certain things, he always tried to find a justification in the letter that he was writing to his friend Adam. Um, I'm not going to say specifically. I want you to just read that. But it was really pissing me off how he just, he would have these opinions about certain things. And if you read the book, you'll definitely know what I mean. But he would have these opinions, but he would try to relate it to something that Adam either did or something that he knew about Adam and would be like, yeah, so remember that time when you yada, 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 this is like that. And that pisses me off because that's another really real human characteristic, something that we do whenever we know we're wrong. We try to find out ways that we can find where other people are wrong to either undermine their opinion on us or to try to make ourselves feel better about what we did and that was fucking crazy executed in the book um again huge shout out to evan fallenberg but yeah music for this week um i'm gonna play my own fucking music fuck it uh the track i'm gonna play is called love freestyle produced by a gentleman named planet earth music go check his youtube out and his Instagram for sure. Um, mixed and mastered by Nate Slacks again. Shout out to my nigga. Been working with him for a long time. I might use this track for a project. We'll see. Um, but I hope you enjoy it. The book for next week is called At Night, All Blood is Black by David Diop and Anna, hope I'm saying this right, Anna Mos Moskovakis. David Diop and Anna Moskovakis. Go get this book. Um, it was suggested to me by a good friend named Mel. Uh, so we'll see how this book goes. And definitely read with me for next week, all right? Let's get into this track. Y'all be safe.